You are listening to the 1830 Podcast Network. Find us easily by searching 1830 Podcast Network directly in the Apple Podcasts app, Google Podcasts app, or the Spotify app. Also visit us at facebook.com forward slash 1830 Podcast Network for more information. This is episode one of For What It's Worth, a look at numbers 22 through 24. The Talking Donkey. Hello and good day. This is Stephen Kimball with a little podcast I like to call For What It's Worth. Today I'd like to uh, talk a little bit about uh, numbers 22, 23, and 24, with numbers 22 being the bulk of what I wish to talk about, one of my favorite uh, sections of the Bible. It's it's different and it's unique in, in, in one of the places that... Uh, you know, I'm sure skeptics and atheists would look at this and, and, and scorn and laugh at this uh, for, for its contents and what happens in this in these verse and these passages. But I, I find a great deal of depth in it and, and understanding and help in our spiritual walk in life. And so today I'm going to make my way through Numbers 22, 23, and 24 and discuss its contents. So as we take up uh, Numbers 22, I want to kind of give us an understanding of where we are in, in the history of the Bible as we get here, and uh, some of the cast of characters involved in this in this reading that we're going to do. As we enter here, we see that uh, the, the, the children of Israel uh, are making their way, uh, this is probably shortly after or just at the end of their 40-year walk in the wilderness, and they're making their way across, ready to pass over. Moses is still with them, as I understand it. Uh, and we enter in a situation where they've camped up against uh, the, the Moabites. And then the three cats of characters I, I'm talking about here is, is an individual named Balak, which, as we read in, in uh, verse 4, it explains that uh, Balak is the son of Zippor, was the king of the Moabites at the time. And he sees the nation of Israel is camped out against him, and he also sees the havoc and the destruction that they've caused. And in his mind, he knows he can't destroy them, but he still sees them as, as great enemies. But he sees his weakness uh, before them. And they're very distressed about it as we, we get into the reading uh, the second individual to talk about is the main individual I want to talk about is a character named Balaam. Uh, I'm sure during this podcast I'll, I'll pronounce it several ways. Balaam or Balaam is one of the ways I say it, but I think the correct uh, pronunciation is Balaam, and I will try to do that throughout this po- uh, podcast. And of course, the last one is is the nation of Israel as they're camped up against uh against the Moabites, and it looks like they're going to come after them. However, as we do more uh, reading on this, we understand if you go to Deuteronomy 2 and 9, it shows that the Lord has already told Moses that uh, they're not to distress the Moabites. Uh, And and the reason, is my understanding, is is that they are the children of Lot, and the Lord has protected them, even though uh, we read uh, different points that they are a wicked people, but the Lord has clearly told Moses not to touch this people. And so here, here, uh, Balak is all excited, uh, to go to war and he's trying to get help from his neighbors, uh, the Midianites and, and trying to get everything he can, even though, uh, Moses and the, and the Israelites have no plans to attack them because they've already been commanded not to. Now this character, Balim is an interesting character. Um, 
you know, in times past, I'd like, you know, who is this guy? He reminds me a, a lot of the, uh, of the lady, the, the, the lady that uh, knew familiar spirits in First Samuel chapter 28. Uh, my Bible calls her the witch of Endor, reminded me of her, and probably rightfully so. Here's people that weren't of the Lord, but had some type of relationship with the Lord, yet, yet they seemed to uh, be fighting against the Lord, and they had some evilness to them. And I don't, I don't, I think Blim is the same way. Uh, he's, he's got some problems as we go on, and I'll talk about this later on, but as we read in Numbers 31, and, and there's references to him in, uh, uh, Nehemiah and Peter and also revelations to to his wickedness and, and what he had, had taught people uh, or taught the, the nation of Israel and it caused them to get in trouble. And it, they're just brief references, but very brief references. So it, it's an interesting character, the, the relationship he has with God and his talking with God and, and, and um, how he tells over and over to, to, block, to uh, block that, you know, you, you can't curse these people. Yet there's an indication in the 24th chapter, which I'll talk about when we get there, uh, that he's going to counsel him on some things. And, and there's references to that, that I think we can make that story true. But but this is an interesting character. Uh, you know, it's hard to look at this and see his relationship with the Lord and consider him wicked. But but as you read the scriptures, you, you can't help but um, have to think that this, this cat is not a good dude, uh, to put it in the newer person vernacular. Well, I wasn't sure if I was going to read uh, these chapters or not. I'm sure not sure that I will read them all or not, but I'm going to start off in 22 and read this and get our introduction that uh, I've spent some time talking about. So starting in verse 22, or excuse me, chapter 22 and verse 1. And the children of Israel set forward and pitched in the plains of Moab on this side of Jordan of Jericho and blocked the son of Zippor, saw all the Israel had done into the Amorites. And Moab was sore afraid of the people because they were many. And Moab was distressed because of the children of Israel. And Moab said unto the elders of Midian, Now shall this company lick up all that are round about us, as the ox licketh up the grass of the field. And Balak, the son of Zippor, was king of Moabites at this time. He sent messengers therefore unto Balaam, the son of Beor, to Pethor, which is by the river of the land of the children of this people, to call him, saying, Behold, there is a people come out of Egypt. Behold, they cover the face of the earth, and they abide over against me. Come now, therefore, I pray thee, curse me this people, for they are too mighty for me. Peradventure I shall prevail, that we may spite them, that I may drive them out of this land, for I want that he whom thou blessest is blessed, and he whom thou cursest is cursed. And the elders of Moab and the elders of Midian departed with their rewards of divination in their hand, and they came unto Balaam and spake unto him the words of Balak. And so we see here in the setup of this chapter, as I've already talked about, that the nation of Israel is camped out there, and Moab, uh, Balak is terrified. He joins in with the Midianites, and, and they see this man, uh, Balaam, as an opportunity to, as it says here, to curse this people. He blesses who he blesses and curses who he curses. And so he sends unto him uh, this man. And then uh, the Midianites and the Moabites uh, go together to bring all of these gifts unto Balaam to convince him to come and curse this people that stands before them. Picking up in verse 8. And he said unto them, Lodge here this night, and I will bring you word again, as the Lord shall speak unto me. And the princes of Moab abode with Balaam. 
And God came unto Balaam and said, What men are these with thee? And Balaam said unto God, Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, hath sent unto me, saying, Behold, there is a people come out of Egypt, which covereth the face of the earth. Come now, curse me them, peradventure I shall be able to overcome them and drive them out. And God said to Balaam, Thou shalt not go with them, thou shalt not curse the people, for they are blessed. And of course, we know the Lord uh, knows who these people are, and he asks the questions. You know exactly who came to Balaam, but he's asking him who they are, and Balaam tells him, and, and he tells him, hey, look, you're, you're, you're not going to curse them because they are blessed. And so taking up in verse 13, And Balaam rose up in the morning and said unto the princes of Balak, Get you into your land, for the Lord refuseth to give me leave to go with you. And the princes of Moab rose up, and they went into Balak and said unto Balaam, Refuseth to come with us. And of course, Balaam doesn't tell him why he isn't going with him. He just tells him he's not going with them. And of course, you can imagine what Balak is thinking, that he wants more money. And of course, he's going to turn around and send them more money. Picking up in verse 15, And Balak sent ye again princes more and more honorable than they. And they came to Balaam and to him. Thus saith Balak, the son of Zippor, Let nothing, I pray thee, hinder thee from coming unto me. For I will promote thee unto a very great honor, and I will do whatsoever thou sayest unto me. Come therefore, I pray thee, curse me, this people. And Balaam answered and said unto the servants of Balak, If Balak would give me his house full of silver and gold, I cannot go beyond the word of the Lord my God to do less or more. Now therefore, I pray you, tarry ye here this night, that I may know what the Lord will say unto me. And God came unto Balaam at night and said unto him, if the men come to call thee, rise up and go with them. But yet the word which I shall say unto thee, that shall thou do. And so we hear, you know, the interesting part again here is, is Balaam's having this conversation with the Lord like it happens all the time. So, you know, when, when others have said that Balaam is this diviner and, and he does all these different things, he certainly doesn't appear to be surprised to have this conversation with God. And there in, in verse 18, he says, you know, I, I can't go beyond the word of the Lord. And so he knows who the Lord is, and he knows he's not going to try and cross the Lord. But yet, uh, the interesting part again, or another interesting part, I should say, is that, that he goes back and he goes, well, wait here, and, and I'm going to ask the Lord again. And, and the Lord gives him instruction, and this is where uh, Balaam gets him in trouble. And he says, if, if the men will call thee, rise up and go with them. And we'll see here in a second that he is not called, but he just rises up and goes. And this is where his trouble starts. Okay, so now here's where the fun part starts. Uh, it's the most enjoyable part to me. Uh, just just wonderful passage of Scripture with, with much to be learned here. Uh, it, it, it makes me laugh. It, it should make you laugh at, at what happens here. And, 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 uh, and we'll, t we'll talk about this. But I, I want to point out one thing. Uh, in this reading, Balaam gets, uh, goes to get on an ass, which we know is a donkey. And that word has been greatly changed in, in, in my lifetime to, to be a profanity. And so to keep all the young people from giggling, I'm going to change that word to donkey, if you don't mind. So anywhere that word is, I'm going to change it to donkey. I'm going to let you know that ahead of time. So we don't get any gigglers out in the audience there. So taking up in verse 21, And Balaam rose up in the morning and saddled his donkey and went with the princes of Moab. And God's anger was kindled because he went, and the angel of the Lord stood in the way of an adversary against him. Now he was riding upon his donkey, and his two servants were with him. 
And the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way, and his sword drawn in his hand. And the donkey turned aside out of the way and went into the field, and Balaam smote the donkey to turn her into the way. But the angel of the Lord stood in a path of the vineyards, a wall being on this side and a wall of that side. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she thrust herself unto the wall and crushed Balaam's foot against the wall, and he smote her again. And the angel of the Lord went further and stood in the narrow place where there was no way to turn either to the right or to the left. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she fell down under Balaam, and Balaam's anger was kindled, and he smote the donkey with the staff. And so we see here uh, nothing out of the ordinary here. I mean, other than the fact there's an angel of the Lord standing in the way, but but the donkey uh, is is trying to avoid this angel of the Lord that has this sword drawn. And Balaam has no idea what's going on because he can't see anything. Only the, the donkey can see what's going on. And so the donkey's doing its best. It falls on Balaam. And and not understandably so, Balaam is unhappy. And remember now, going back to this, uh, there's two things to point out here. One is it's believed that, that the Lord's angry with him because he told them if they called him, that he was to go, and they didn't call him. He just got up in the morning, he saddled his donkey, and off he went. And so he had already crossed the Lord. The other thing that's here is, as as like that's referenced in Jude, where it says, greedily after the heir of Balaam, that we read in chapter, uh, or excuse me, verse 11 of Jude, you know, the heir of Balaam for being greedy. And so, uh, you know, and I believe too, after reading that, that one of the things that was getting in Balaam's way was his greed. He wanted to have this money. And so that's why many, including myself, believe that he ended up going with these gentlemen, even told the Lord told him, you're, you're not going to be able to curse him. But Balaam wants to go and the Lord's not going to hinder him, but he is cross with him for not following his orders. So on to verse 28, and the Lord opened the mouth of the donkey and she said unto Balaam, What have I done unto thee that thou hast smitten me this three times? And Balaam, now, now think about that for a second. This is, I mean, this is humorous to me. So you're going along and you're upset with your animal and it turns around and talks to you. And without skipping a beat in verse uh, 29, Balaam's going to talk right back to it. I mean, you and I are going to look at this and go, what in the world is going on? Why is my animal speaking to me? And either this has happened to Balaam in the past or... Or I, I think, you know, you know, think about this, you know, from our standpoint, we become so obsessed with something that there's nothing that can talk us out of the way. So the silliest thing could happen. And we're, we're so dead set and stubborn on doing something that we just force our will. We just go ahead with it, you know, and here's, here's Balaam, his donkey starts talking to him and, and he's so bullheaded, so pigheaded, so moving forward of what's happening. He doesn't care what's happening. He's going to talk right back to his animal. And so in verse 29, and Balaam said unto the donkey, because thou hast mocked me, I would there were a sword in my hand, for now would I kill thee. And the donkey said unto Balaam, and not thy, thy donkey upon which thou hast ridden ever since I was thine unto this day, was I never want to do so unto thee. And he said, nay. And so now he's he's not just having just talking back to the donkey. The donkey comes back to him and says, "You know, who am I?" You know, and Balaam, you know, has the argument back with him. It's funny when I listen to this, uh, and it's funny when you think about it. 
And then in verse 31, Balaam's eyes are open. We can read this. Then the Lord opened the eyes of Balaam. And he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way and a sword drawn in his hand. And he bowed down his head and he fell flat on his face. And the angel of the Lord said unto him, Wherefore hast thou smitten thine donkey these three times? Behold, I went out to withstand thee, because thy way is perverse before me. And the donkey saw me and turned from me these three times, unless she had turned from me, surely now also I had slain thee and saved her alive. And Balaam said unto the angel of the Lord, I have sinned, for I knew not that thou hast stoodest in the way against me. Now therefore it displeased thee. I will get me back again. And the angel of the Lord said unto Balaam, Go with the men, but only the word that I shall speak unto thee, that thou shalt speak. So Balaam went with the princes of Balak, and Balak had heard that Balaam was calm. He went on to meet him unto the city of Moab, which is the border of Arnon, which is in the utmost coast. And so <coughs> we see here that uh, Balaam's eyes were opened, and how often are our eyes opened uh, to things that we have done and stupidity and error and sin, and the Lord opens our eyes, and, and we see the shame and the ignorance upon us, and, and, and Balaam sees this, you know, and, and, and here's the confusion I, I get sometimes, the Lord has him go on, and, and I'm not sure the purpose of this, and um, I'm sure many could discuss it and, and maybe explain it, but but I'm not sure what it is at this point, but yet the Lord tells him to go on. And, and maybe this is a lesson for Balaam. Maybe it's maybe it's Balak that needs to understand uh, what's going to happen. And so here's this man that, that has this voice with the Lord, and, and he's going to go forward. And the Lord told him, go with him, but only say what I tell you to say. And so now he is the voice of this Lord to Balak, this king of the Moabites. Continuing in verse 37, And Balak said unto Balaam, Did I not earnestly send unto thee to call thee? Wherefore camest thou not unto me? Am I not able indeed to promote thee to honor? And Balaam said unto Balak, Lo, I am come unto thee. Have I now any power at all to say anything? The word that God putteth in my mouth, that shall I speak. And Balaam went in with Balak, and they came into Kerjath Hujash. And Balak offered oxen and sheep, and sent to Balaam and and to the princes that were with him, and it came to pass on the morrow that Balak took Balaam and brought him up unto the high places of Baal, that thence he might see the utmost part of the people. And so we see here Balaam very diligent, uh, this time now, telling Balak, I can only say what the Lord wants me to say, and I'll say nothing more. And so he's, he's being very faithful to the word of God. And you also see Balak, remember, uh, if you listen to the whole podcast, I stated earlier that this these people, this these Moabites are of the family of Lot, so they are not unfamiliar with with uh, the story of, or obviously Lot's brother Abraham, and so uh, seeing uh, sacrifices is not a total surprise. Uh, however, they they might be taken before the Lord. I don't know, and certainly Balaam uh, being part of that and 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 being kin possibly to that. I assume he's part of this this group also. I don't know that. He may not be part of that. So in thinking of that, of course, we're not surprised to see them doing sacrifices or familiar with the Lord God if, if uh, Lot was there and, and knew Abraham, his cousin, then uh, these things would certainly be familiar with them in my mind. So you've probably noticed that I have thoroughly messed up the pronunciation of Balaam or Balim or Balaam or however you say the name, and I will continue to do that for the rest of the podcast. So 
I apologize for that. I don't know why I can't uh, just do it one way, but that's the way I've done it. The other thing I want to note here is, is uh, I'm not pretending to be an advanced scholar on any of this. There's there's a lot of things that I could have researched and did not research. Whether it was there or not, I don't know. But just keep that in mind. Um, not certain. I'm always 100% accurate. I'm just giving what you what what I can and my thoughts on it and and what I believe is correct. So hope that makes sense, and then we'll continue on here. So I'm going to continue reading here in chapters 23 and 24. Uh, at this point, of course, I've, I've uh, talked through the parts that I, I really enjoy uh, the donkey and, and speaking with Balaam and, and think about the stubbornness he has involved there. Uh, and I think the rest of this is, is, is fun to talk about, too, but that's my most important part. But if you wish to carry on, we're going to continue reading here in, in uh, chapter 23 and you look at 23 and 24 and you see it in my bible it talks about Balaam's first second third fourth and, and final parables as it goes through 23 and 24 so I'll read these uh, by these parables that happen so chapter 23 and Balaam said unto Balak build me here seven altars and prepare me seven oxen and seven rams and Balak did as Balaam had spoken and Balak and Balaam offered in every altar a Balak and a ram uh, notice the number seven there, uh, an important number scripturally. Uh, now, verse three, and Balaam said unto Balak, stand by the burnt offering, and I will go peradventure the Lord will come to meet me, and whatsoever he showeth me, I will tell thee. And he went to a high place, and God met Balaam, and he said unto him, I have prepared seven altars, and I have offered upon every altar a bullock and a ram. And the Lord put a word in Balaam's mouth, and said, Return unto Balak, and thus shalt thou speak. And he returned unto him, and lo, he stood by the burnt sacrifice, and all the princes of Moab, and he took up his parable, and said, Balak, the king of Moab, hath brought me from Aram, and out of the mountains of the east, saying, Come, curse me, Jacob, and come, defy Israel. How shall I curse whom God hath not cursed? How shall I defy whom the Lord hath not defied? For from the top of the rocks I see him, and from the hills I beheld him. Lo, the people shall dwell alone, and shall not be reckoned among the nations. Who can count the dust of Jacob, and the number of the fourth part of Israel? Let me die the death of the righteous, and let me last and be like his. And Balak said unto Balaam, What hast thou done unto me? I took thee to curse mine enemies, and behold, thou hast blessed them altogether. He answered and said, Must I not take heed to speak that which the Lord hath put into my mouth? So you can see here by the use of the word parable why they refer to of as his first, second, third, fourth, and final parable. In this in this context, if you look up the Strong's definition, the Hebrew word 4910, um, in some original sense, superiority and mental action properly a pithy maximum, usually of metaphorical nature, hence a simile as an adage, poem, discourse, byword like parable, proverb. And of course, every time you start looking up words, you know, I don't know all of these words, so I get to look up more words, and the word pithy means concise and forceful expression. So he's, he's making a proper point, uh, an exaggerated point, if you will, to, to show Balak exactly what the Lord's trying to tell him. And again here, as you can imagine here, uh, Balak has probably paid all of this money, has brought him all this way to curse this people, and, and Balaam is doing nothing of it because the Lord's telling him not to, and he's following the Lord's command and saying, I'm not going to do that. You're crazy. Let's go against the Lord. But... Uh, Block is obviously very upset with him. 
Continuing on into the second parable, verse 13 of chapter 23. And Balak said unto him, Come, I pray thee with me unto another place, from whence thou mayest see them. Thou shalt see but the utmost part of them, and thou shalt see them all, and curse me them from thence. And he brought him into the field of Zophon and the top of Pishgoth, and built seven altars, and offered a bullock and a ram on every altar. And he said unto Balak, Stand here by thy burnt offering, while I meet the Lord yonder. And the Lord met Balaam, and put a word in his mouth, and said, Go again unto Balak. And say thus, And we came to him, behold, he stood by his burnt offering, and the princes of Moab with him, and Balak said unto him, What hath the Lord spoken? And he took up his parable, and said, Rise up, Balak, and hear, and hearken unto me, thou son of Zippor. God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent, hath he said, and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken it, shall he not make it good? Behold, I have received commandments to bless, and he hath blessed, and I cannot reverse it. He hath not beheld iniquity in Jacob, neither hath he seen perverseness in Israel. The Lord his God is with him, and the shout of a king is among them. God brought them up out of Egypt. He hath it, as it were, the strength of a unicorn. Surely there is no enchantment against Jacob, neither is there any division against Israel, according to this time it shall be said of Jacob and of Israel, What hath God wrought? Behold, the people shall rise up as a great lion, and lift up himself as a young lion. He shall not lie down until he eat of the prey, and drink of the blood of the slain. And Balak said unto Balaam, Neither curse him at all, nor bless him at all. But Balaam answered and said unto Balak, Told not I thee, saying, All that the Lord speaketh, that must I do. And Balak said unto Balaam, Come, I pray thee, I will bring thee unto another place peradventure it will please God that thou mayest curse them from thence and Balak brought Balaam unto the top of Peor that looketh toward Jerusalem or Jeshimon and Balaam said unto Balak build me here seven altars and prepare me here seven bullocks and seven rams and Balak did as Balaam had said and offered a bullock and a ram on every altar so we have several fun things here first of all I don't know if that's the first use of the word yonder. I would love to be able to go, let me go talk to the Lord yonder, and it would happen. Uh, but but that's what Block says, like it's an everyday occurrence. And he runs off in verse 15 while I, tells Block while I go meet the Lord yonder. I mean, look what Block's trying to do here. He's he's taking him to all these different views of, of this people and trying to get him to curse him. And here again, you know, Block really, or excuse me, Balaam, really takes up his parable in this in this statement he tells him he says look i can't do that i can't go against the lord it's the lord's people and they are going to be a mighty people and they're going to be a blessed people and they're going to go uh you know he makes reference to this lion even mentions as you heard here the use of the word unicorn now i must admit i've never really studied this word but if you look up the strong's hebrew definition it calls it a wild bull and a gather it uses uh the word conspicuousness. I am gathering that this is a rather large wild bull and, and by its uh, very vision of this giant wild bull that there's nothing that's going to get in its way. It's going to go and do what it wants to. And I think that's what the reference to a unicorn is. So um, we can stop building kids shows about them and making it look like there's a special animal. But I could be wrong. Like I said, I haven't studied it. But but again, you know, here here Balaam continues to tell Balak, you know, you, you can't change this. The Lord is not going to repent of who these people are. Look at them. They're vast and they're great. And yet Balak and his stubbornness, uh, and obviously he's familiar with the Lord, but he, he's not, 
he, he's trying to convince Balaam to convince the Lord to curse them, and he's going to take him, and he takes him to another hilltop. And here we start, go ahead and start uh, chapter 24. And when Balaam saw that it pleased the Lord to bless Israel, he went not, as at other times, to seek for enchantments. But he set his face toward the wilderness. And Balaam lifted up his eyes, and he saw Israel abiding in his tents according to their tribes. And the Spirit of God came upon him, and he took up his parable and said, Balaam the son of Beor hath said, and the man whose eyes are open hath said, He hath said, which heard the words of God, which saw the vision of the Almighty falling into a trance. But having his eyes open, how godly are the tents, O Jacob, and thy tabernacles, O Israel. And the valleys are they spread forth as gardens by the riverside, as the trees of a lion, or trees of line, aloes, which the Lord hath planted, and as cedar trees. Beside the waters he shall pour the water out of his buckets, and his seed shall be in many waters, and his king shall be higher than Agag, and his kingdom shall be exalted. God brought him forth out of Egypt. He hath it were the strength of a unicorn. He shall eat up the nations as enemies, and shall break their bones, and pierce them through with the arrows. He couched, he lay down as a lion, and the great lion who shall stir him up. Blessed is he that blesseth thee, and cursed is he that curseth thee. And here Balaam not going to have any more of uh, Balak's actions, and, he, and, he, and this is his third parable, as it calls it. And he tells him, he says, I, you know, these are a mighty, mighty people. And if you want to bless them, then you should bless them because that would be the greatest thing you can do because you can't stop them. And if you want to curse them, you yourselves will be cursed. And then the Lord's dictated their way that they're going to be a large and great, mighty people. And if you get in your way, you will be destroyed. Start again in verse 10. And Balak's anger was kindled against Balaam, and he smote his hands together. And Balak said unto Balaam, I am called thee to curse mine enemies, and behold, thou hast altogether blessed them these three times. Therefore now flee thou to thy place. I thought to promote thee unto great honor, but lo, the Lord hath kept thee back from honor. And Balaam said unto Balak, Spake I not also unto thy messengers, which thou sentest unto me, saying, If Balak would give me his house full of silver and gold, I cannot go beyond the commandment of the Lord to do either good or bad of mine own mind. But what the Lord saith, that will I speak. And now behold, I go unto my people, come therefore, and I will advertise thee what this people shall do to thy people in the latter days. And he took up his parable and said, Balaam the son of Beor hath said, the man whose eyes are open hath said, and he hath said, which heard the words of God and knew the knowledge of the Most High, which saw the vision of the Almighty falling into a trance, but having his eyes open. I shall see him, but not now. I shall behold him, but not nigh. There shall come a star out of Joseph. A scepter shalt thou rise out of Israel, and shall smite the corners of Moab, and destroy all the children of Sheth. And Edom shall be a possession. Seir also shall be a possession for his enemies, and Israel shall do valiantly. Out of Jacob shall come he that shall have dominion, and shall destroy him that remaineth of this city. So this is the passage I talked about early on where it's interesting as you start studying this who who uh, Balaam actually is. Uh, here he is again, you know, uh, Block gets very upset with him that he's cursing them and he doesn't, or that he's not cursing them and he's blessing them actually, he doesn't want them to curse them. Yet Balaam is still... Uh, Telling him he can't, he can't do it. So he's very upset to him. But if you read in verse 14, that word, he says, I will advertise thee. And as you study this and look at the commentary, Matthew Henry 1, that word advertise means to advise. 
And if you look at the different references to uh, to what happens here, especially in Revelations, in Revelations 2.14, it says, But I have a few things against thee, because thou hast there them that hold the doctrine of Balaam, uh, Balaam, excuse me, who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed unto idols and to commit fornication. So, you know, by this reference, and and Peter talks about Balaam and, and Besor and the wages of unrighteousness and all of these things. So even though Balaam had, or excuse me, I told you I'd do it, but Balaam had all these things and he had this conversation with the Lord, yet he's still trying to help Balak. And, and I think by reading those scriptures, you begin to understand that um, even though in, in really in my ignorance, I always thought, you know, who is this man, uh, Balaam? Is he a man of, of God? And and he's just somebody that's outside this nation of Israel and, and does good things. But by this, we see that uh, Although he knows the Lord, and at times, you know, he certainly desires to do it, but still, he, he advertises or advises this man, and it appears this advertisement is to really to seek to teach the nation of Israel wickedness, and maybe even possibly call upon Satan to fight against him and, and serve that, and I, I think that's what he's trying to get here, but... Uh, it's interesting to read this. And, and then as you go on to the end of this chapter, he makes a reference to the start of Jacob, and the scepter shall rise out of Israel, and this is verse 17, and shall smite the corners of Moab and destroy the children of Sheph. You know, and as we, we understand later, I believe it was David, uh, it's possibly referencing, re, uh, referencing David here who did destroy Moab uh, later on, obviously, and then also some, I think it's a reference possibly even to Jesus Christ, but... But uh, interesting, Balaam knows what's going to happen. He sees the future in this, of uh, what's going to happen and what's going to happen to all these things, and they don't have any fighting in them, and yet it still appears that he's trying to uh, cause wickedness here. So finishing up, and when he looked, and this is verse 20, and when he looked on Amalek, and he took up his parable and said, Amalek was the first of the nations, but his latter end shall be that he perish forever. And he looked on the Kenites and took up the parable and said, Strong is thy dwelling place, and thou puttest thy nest in a rock. Nevertheless, the Kenites shall be wasted until Asher shall carry thee away captive. And he took up his parable and said, Alas, who shall live when God doeth this? And ships shall come from the coast of Chittim and shall afflict Asher and shall afflict Eber, and also he shall perish forever. And Balaam rose up and went, returned unto to his place, and Balak also went his way. And so they go their separate ways. And other than hearing about uh, what a wicked person Balaam was, uh, a man who sought after money, and which probably the reason he went. And and you also see possibly the Lord had a reason to show both Balak and Balaam uh, his greatness, and that's why he ended up going to to meet him and. And uh, he got his money, but it sounds like he possibly got his reward, uh, which was probably not good, whoever this, this man was. But interesting. I think an interesting study. I hope you enjoyed it. I, uh, as I was going through this, I really had to look up some references and learn some things. And I picked up some things, you know, like I said about Belim, that, you know, that, that truly this man was not a man of the Lord, even though he had this uh, uh, ability to talk to him and go over yonder and talk to him. It's 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 very interesting to see this relationship. But as we can see, this man Balim was was not the greatest in, in, individual. So again, uh, hope you enjoyed that. So this is Stephen Kimball signing off on his first ever podcast. For what it's worth, may God bless each one of you. <laughs>